in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer, it's silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. So uh, I'm going I'm to pray real quick, uh, and then I'll give my take on the, on the most recent Kanye album. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we, 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 thank you, we thank you for this time that we have this morning, Lord, to gather under the authority of your word. Lord, as I preach this, this morning, I pray, that, uh, I pray that your gospel would shine through this, through this cracked vessel. Lord, I pray that you would open that you would open hearts, open minds, open ears, um, and change people through your through your word. Lord, you you created by your word, uh, and so Lord, I pray that you would change hearts by your word. Pray these things in the name of your Son and by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Amen. I mean, this is what you were all wondering. You were wondering what like what does not be think about the Kanye album. Um, two things, two things, and then we'll then we'll get to the actual sermon. Um, one, one, um, I, I rejoice whenever Christ gets glory. That's what, that's what Paul tells us to do, is to rejoice whenever Christ gets glory. So if people are saying Jesus is king, I'm a fan. Second, um, second, uh, he strikes me as kind of a, it's, it's kind of a zeal of a new believer kind of thing. So my prayer for him is that he would be discipled as I pray for any, as I, as I pray for any new believer. Um, so that's my, that's my tip. Now the apples are. <laughs> so, so, so in the words in the words of the black church, I'm not going to be I, I, I'm not going to be before you long. Uh, I, 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 but, but for what we're going to talk what, what we're going to talk about this morning is is one of my favorite narratives in the Book of Acts when Philip meets the Ethiopian eunuch. And so, where where have we been? So last week we talked about Simon the narcissist. In that text, we're we're reminded that narcissism, pride that focuses entirely on me, on what I want, and how I can get what I want, is an obstacle to true faith. It's hard for me to place my faith and my trust in someone else when I'm so inwardly 
curved. I'm sorry. But something is hinted at at the end of our last passage that calls us back to where the book of Acts began. So take a look at Acts, at Acts 25. Acts 25 reads, reads thus. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So they're coming from, Samar from Samaria south to Jerusalem. So we want to stop right there because we're told in the beginning of the book of Acts that, that, that Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, told his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so far, we've spent time in Jerusalem. We've spent time in, Ju in Judea. And a lot of chapter 8 was in Samaria. And so where do we go now? That's right. The end of the earth. Ethiopian eunuch enters stage right. So, so when we look at today's text, I've got, I've got three points for us for this morning to orient us. And so they, these three points are as follows. Christ's gospel is particular, powerful, and for all people. Somebody say particular, particular. Powerful, powerful, and for all people. For all people. All right. So first of all, the good news of the gospel is particular. So, so what, what do I mean by particular? We'll take a look at the story that we just read. In verse 26, look at the first command that the angel of the Lord gives Philip. Get up and go south to the desert, to an isolated place. I imagine this like the Lord telling me to go to like a ghost town in the middle of Mississippi. Not, not, not only is no one out there, but also, I mean, I have no real reason to be found there, right? And yet, why does the angel send Philip there? Because of verse 27. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Kandake. So, 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 so that's, a, that's, a, that's the title for the queen mother of Ethiopia. Similar to like a pharaoh is for Egypt, something like that who was in charge of all her treasure. So Philip was sent by God to a particular secluded place in order to meet a particular person. And whether you know it or not, the good news of Jesus Christ meets you where your particular questions are. See, many, many missionaries, pastors, and Christians approach evangelism with these kind of set questions that they think that everyone's struggling with. So this, this becomes an easy kind of conversation. So for example, some people will assume that everyone's problem is guilt. And so you approach every conversation as though everyone's dealing with particular guilt. Or some people, uh, some people think that everyone's problem is shame. And so, and so you approach everybody as though shame is your, is your, most, pressing, is your most pressing issue. But, but sin affects us all in, in manifold different ways. Yes, we come before Christ as sinners. But sometimes it's the fact that we've been sinned against that actually keeps us from God. Some of us cry out, Lord, I've done so much wrong that there's no way that you can save me. Others of us cry out, Lord, how could you let this happen to me? There's no way that you can really love me. But the good news of Jesus Christ hits both of those cries. Because Jesus says that there's no sin so great that it can't be forgiven. And he says that his love is so great for you that the all-powerful creator of the world took on flesh and made suffering not just a possibility for himself, but a reality for himself to save you. Even you, Slim. Even you, Jake. Even you, Robert. To save you, particularly. Kwame Bediako, a, theolo a theologian from Ghana, has a book called Jesus and the Gospel in Africa. And one of the quotes that shapes one of his articles begins this way. He says, 
Christ has been presented as the answer to questions a white man would ask, the solution to the needs that Western man would feel, the savior of the world of the European worldview. But if Christ were to appear as the answer to the questions that Africans are asking, or we could put any, any people group in there, what would he look like? Indeed, what would he look like? We believe that Jesus is, is the answer to our questions, all of them. But we've got to do the work of figuring out what those questions are. This is important for any conversation that we have with someone about the gospel. We have to, we have to figure out what these questions are. And so if we see in these first few verses that the gospel of Jesus Christ is particular, we see in these next few verses that the gospel is powerful. And it's powerful because of the transformation that we see this eunuch go through. So the, so the spirit, so we find out in verse, in verse 28 that the eunuch is reading Isaiah. And so the spirit tells Philip, tells Philip, hey, go catch up with that guy. And he asks, and he asks this man a particular question. Do you understand what you are reading in verse 28? Do you understand what you are reading? So he doesn't just run up in the brother's grill and say, hey, uh, you heard about Jesus? <laughs> he observes and asks relevant questions. But the eunuch is frustrated. He asks, how can I, how can I, unless someone guides me? And when Philip sees the passage that he's reading, he understands that frustration. Because this eunuch is reading Isaiah 53. And, it, it, and, and Isaiah 53 is a, is, a, is a description of a suffering servant that, that Isaiah prophesies about. A, a description of a figure who, who would come to deliver the people of Israel, but he would do so by being humiliated and by dying. And so the eunuch's question is simply, Who's Isaiah talking about? But underneath that question, underneath that question is another question. A question that lurks in the back of many of our minds. A question that, 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 that creeps up on us in our different contexts. And that question is this. Do I belong? Do I have a place here? So when I was in middle school and high school, I was in a, I was in a math, science, and computer science uh, magnet program at the, at the public school that I was in. And when I was in eighth grade, I walked out, I walked out to the bus, and, 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 and a kid walked up to me. He was two years younger than me. I think he was, he was, he was a sixth grader. Walked up to me out of, out of, out of, out of everyone that I was around and, and asked me, are you a bully? Me, spindly, glasses wearing me, <laughs> walked up to me and said, are you a bully? I looked at him with the same confused face that some of you are looking at me with. I said, no. And I dismissed it and walked off. At that point, I didn't think about the implications of what it meant to be one of two black boys in this 100-person program. I didn't think about the fact that many people just associate black men with violence. A few years later, literally three years later, I'm in, a, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in my junior year of high school, and I'm walking into the computer lab, and, and, and this same kid is right in front of me. Went to my middle school and went to my high school. A young African-American woman walks in. I see his face fall, and he asks her a question. What are you doing here? At this point, I knew what was going on. It had happened to my, so my, my, my best friend and I were these two black boys in this, in this grade from fourth grade all the way to the end of high school. And we had experienced this for years, that we were treated as though we didn't belong. 
And for my friend especially, that, that, that ground, that, 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 that ground away at him, frustrating him, day after day after day. And see, the Ethiopian eunuch knew that kind of frustration. See, we get, we get two details about him, that he's dark-skinned and that he's a eunuch. And so that, that Greek word, ethiops, is, is a, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't refer to kind of the state of Ethiopia. It, it, it refers to a region called Nubia. There was, they kind of glossed the entirety of sub-Saharan Africa into this, one, into this one category. And the word itself comes from the two, two Greek words. One, one, one word, itho, which means I burn, and ops, meaning face. And so when the Greeks, when the, when the Greeks use this word, ethiops, which is translated Ethiopian, it means burnt face. Now, so if you were a sub-Saharan African, in the, to, the Greek, to the Greeks, you were a burnt face. Now, to my chocolate-skinned brothers and sisters, I want you to know that you are beautiful in the eyes of the Lord, and you're beautiful in the eyes of this church. The Greeks may have called you burnt face, but the Lord calls you dark and lovely. <laughs> All right, amen? amen? That was for free. You can keep that in your back pocket. Now, <laughs> if, now... We, so, we, so, we get the, so we get the detail that this is a dark-skinned man, but we're also given the detail that he's a eunuch. Now, what, what is a eunuch? Well, a eunuch is someone who's been emasculated. In other words, the, 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 the jewels and or manhood have been cut off. So to serve the Kandake, title for the queens of the, of, the, of the Ethiopians, it was common that eunuchs got high positions of power because it was assumed that they would be less distracted. They won't have children, so there are fewer chances for corruption and nepotism. And they won't be sexually tempted because, you know, the equipment's not there. But this separated him from his society. Sure, he had political power. Sure, he had wealth, being in charge of all the candidates' wealth. But he, was still, he, he, he still felt that brokenness in his body. He felt that. But that wasn't even the most frustrating part. We're told in verse 27 that, that this eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Now, to feel what that verse means, I want to I paint this picture. So let's say that all year, you and your family have wanted to go to Disneyland. You can't afford a plane ticket, and so you drive there. So it's, it's 1,400 miles away from here, and so that drive is going to take you about 20 to 21 hours. And every minute of that is a minute of anticipation. You can't wait. And when you arrive, see that Disney castle get to the ticket booth, and the attendant says, oh, sorry, we've, we've raised the height requirements for all the rides. You've got to be 6'6 six, six or taller. You can, you can walk around the park, though. You'd be upset, right? I mean, I, I can walk around. I, I want to ride the roller coasters. That trip wouldn't be fun, and the, and the ride back definitely wouldn't be fun with your kids, that's for sure. Now, when the eunuch got to Jerusalem and the temple, he would have been told, Hey, uh, you're a eunuch. Sorry, bro. No entry. Deuteronomy 23.1 says, No one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the, the assembly of the Lord. Very specific verse. <laughs> but, but, this, but, but, but they tell this guy, Hey, like, you, can, like, you can walk around on the outside, though. Now, that's frustrating. It's frustrating to get so close and yet be so far away. It grinds at you. It grates on you. And so when this eunuch met with Philip, he was frustrated. But he was also confused. 
See, because he, 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 he's reading Isaiah. And, and Isaiah in the 53rd chapter says, with reference to this suffering servant figure, he quotes this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Now, now when, when, when the eunuch hit, hit Philip with this text, I imagine Philip got a little bit excited. I, I imagine Philip started getting a little happy because, because he knew what this eunuch needed. He knew this eunuch's questions. And so he knew the answer to these questions. And so the eunuch asked him, who's the prophet talking about? And Philip went in. He began with this scripture and, and, and we're told and we're told that he, he told the eunuch the good news about Jesus. And what was that good news? Now we, we, or we're going to have to use our, our sanctified imagination for this one. But, but, I, but I imagine that it, went, that it went something like this. Brother, uh, uh, my Ethiopian eunuch friend, have you, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard that the Son of God, the creator of the universe, took on flesh to give his life as a ransom for many? Huh? To bear the wrath of God on your behalf? To defeat the powers and principalities, death and the devil? That, that, he be, that, that, he was born of a, that he was born of a virgin, beginning his ministry at his baptism when the, when the heavens were torn in two and the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove, that he lived a perfect human life and taught the law, embodying it, teaching all to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and teaching all to love their neighbor as themselves. But he did something else. See, he... he he predicted that the temple would be destroyed, and he claimed to be God. And when you do those kinds of things, that's going to get you in trouble. And so, and so the Jewish leadership schemed for his death. And so he was sentenced to crucifixion by the Romans for being a rebel, for being an insurrectionist. And, and just like in that Isaiah passage, when they accused him, he was silent. But they stripped him, and they beat him. And they mocked him, and they nailed him to an upright plank of wood, and he stood there for hours, or at least he tried to, naked, bleeding, humiliated, body torn, soul torn. And when Jesus died, something else tore. The veil in the temple tore mm -hmm. from top to bottom. The veil that separated the people from the presence of God. The veil which only the high priest could go through and only once a year. And why did that tear? Because the real high priest had just offered the final ultimate sacrifice. Something had just happened that shifted the entirety of human history. And two days later, early one Sunday morning, that man got up. And he didn't just get up. He got up with all power in his hands. Because you know the good news is particular and it's powerful. powerful. And so, and he told his disciples to tell people about it. And so I'm telling you about it, my Ethiopian eunuch friend. I'm telling you that the heavens were torn in two, Christ's body was torn, and the veil in the temple was torn. That place, the temple, that was once the place that reminded you of your uncleanness, that place that reminded you of your unworthiness, that place that place that placed your, your your deficiency and your deformity in front of your eyes has actually been transformed by the work of Christ into the decoration of your healing. Repent and turn to Jesus, and you will no longer be an outsider. Repent and turn to Jesus, and you will no longer be defined by your sin and your outward form my Ethiopian eunuch friend, because Isaiah continues in that scroll that you're reading. 
in the 56th chapter, so 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 when so when so when the eunuch is is reading Isaiah, uh, chapter chapter 53 and 56 are going to be in the same scroll. And so in the 56th chapter, Isaiah looks forward to this day where he says, "Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people, and let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree." For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who to choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. I imagine Philip saying, you, my Ethiopian friend, have been told that family is out of your reach. You've been told that because you're a eunuch, you're not going to have this family, that, that, that you will have no legacy, that your story is going to die with you. But in Christ, that will not be true. You will have a name that cannot be removed. You will have a legacy that cannot be tarnished. And you will have a family that will never leave you. Enter into the covenant and enjoy the benefits of being bound to Christ through faith. And how did this eunuch respond? Here's the power, because remember, the gospel is particular and is powerful. Well, that frustrated and confused eunuch had a new clarity about him. And after he heard that good news, verse 36 says that, that, that he said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? I'm sure Philip said, ain't nothing our way, let's do it. <laughs> and, so, and so after he was baptized and the Holy Spirit carried Philip away, the eunuch went away, not sulking, not pouting, not frustrated, not confused. He went away rejoicing. He went away singing the Lord's praises because he was no longer unclean. He was no longer impure. He was no longer excluded. He was free in Jesus' name. The gospel is particular. The gospel is powerful, but lastly, the gospel is for all people. I've spent a lot of time talking about the eunuch because this passage is about the eunuch, particularly about the eunuch. But the gospel is also particularly a message for you, not regardless of who you are and what you've been through, but precisely because of who you are and what you've been through. The good news of Jesus Christ tells the eunuch, you may not have earthly descendants, but you will have spiritual descendants. The good news of Jesus Christ tells the single mother, you are not alone. The good news of Jesus Christ tells the college student, your worth is not in your graves. The good news of Jesus Christ tells the working man or woman among us, your worth is not in your performance, nor is it in the performance of those who work for you. To each of us, Christ, as revealed in the scriptures, is the answer to our deepest question, do I belong? And where do I belong? And so this is, this is why our confession of faith was about adoption. Because the Westminster Confession says that adoption is God's act of free grace where, 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 where if you've been justified, if, you, if you've placed your faith in Christ, then you're God's beloved child. His, na his name is on you. You have Christ's spirit. God's relationship with you is not, is not one of judge, but one of father. You have all of the freedoms and privileges of the sons of God. You're, you're an heir of the covenant promises, and you're a fellow heir with Christ in glory. Now, those are some serious benefits, y'all. And they're available to all who are joined to Christ by his spirit. Now, 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 now gendered language is not always important. But, but in the point of adoption, it is. Here's what I mean by that. When you, when you come to faith, 
You become a son of God, men and women. Why? Why does Paul use that specific language? He uses that language because when you come to faith, when you are joined to Christ, you get his benefits. You get his favor. Because he's the firstborn, and you're treated like that because you're united to him. And so you're called a son, all of us, because you're united to the son. And so that means that everything that happens to you will be used by God for his glory and for your sanctification. And that's something that's worthy of rejoicing about. And that Ethiopian eunuch felt that joy most deeply. And the history of the Ethiopian church, one of the oldest continuous Christian churches in the world, traces its history back to this encounter. And so in a truly beautiful way, in the history of the church, this unit has many children. And in this way, we're given a hint of where the book of Acts is going. We saw Christ's gospel preached in Jerusalem. We saw it in Judea. We saw it in Samaria. And when the eunuch returned to Sub-Saharan Africa, the gospel went with him to the ends of the earth. Because the gospel is particular, powerful, and for all people. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, native, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, male, female, eunuch, non-eunuch, Jew, Gentile, all are called to Christ. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Amen.